Hello, this is Kelly from Small Town America, Greensburg, Pennsylvania. And this is Sarah from Sydney, Australia. This is Life, the World and Everything in Between, the podcast where we discuss our lives. And everything exists that exists in those 15,000 kilometers, 9,600 miles between. Today, we are recording on August 27th, 2021. So let's just start at the beginning. Sarah, how was your week? I feel like my week was very robust. Well, <laughs> um, that that's not what I thought I was going to say. <laughs> that is a change of statement since you've been under wraps yeah. for the past month or two. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've lost track of the other thing. Like, maybe it's week nine or week 10 of lockdown. So let's just, you know, sweep that under the carpet. Um, But yeah, I got involved with like a whole heap of sort of extra things, um, webinars and, and conversations. And it was, it was really nice. So yeah, it's been you know, still a little bit up and down um, and maybe a little bit too much time on Zoom uh, that I can find a little bit draining. But the the thing that sort of really caught me this week was a couple of sessions run by someone I know, Joe, who has an organisation called Good for the Hood, which is all about creating you know, sustainable communities, which would be right up your alley, I reckon. Um, so we have one session on Wednesday evening, which was about self-care, which was really wonderful. Uh, and she did a coincidentally local community. She has a lot of presentations to different like neighbourhoods and council areas. And it was my council area. So it was like, oh, two in a row. Uh, <laughs> and that, com- <laughs> that conversation was about circular economy, which was fantastic. And of course, you know, something that's a big interest of mine and um she really like she really knows all of the the details on how that works which was great to sort of have that in-depth look at how we can start creating circular economies within our communities uh, and a lot of references to Ellen MacArthur Foundation which is always a very inspiring place to to look at as well. So how it sounds like you had a good week from that perspective how did work go this week so work uh well it was interesting it's a mixed bag but uh overall really great um probably the highlight was a conversation that came up about thrift stores and how we might be able to work with some of those especially at the moment while they're closed and perhaps have more capacity to have these kind of conversations um about managing textile waste um there was a uh foreign correspondent um interview uh piece whatever you want to call it that came out within the last couple of weeks i might have even brought it up on a previous chat about how much of textile waste i think in this case from australia but from all over the world is being sent to africa and then what happens to it there um so it's been on a lot of people's minds that you know it's really brought some more light onto this topic and um, then it came up like how can we get involved in doing something and it's just it's really exciting that does sound exciting you know this might be something you don't know about me but I have been a thrift shop 
aficionada for most, not not in recent years. I will take that. Yeah, not in recent years, but throughout my life, I have been a thrift shop aficionada. Like when I was younger, I always scoured a thrift shop for clothes. Um, we have things here called flea teaks, which are oh, they're not <laughs> they're not antiques, but they're not junk stores. They're kind of that that stuff in between. Uh-huh. I've many times in my life furnished my houses with used furniture that I found at these flea teaks, and I'd like spiff them up, paint them, or sand them down, and things mm. like that. So mm. I am a huge fan Great. of that. <laughs> you know, up until you know my recent life, my last apartment in New York, I did buy new furniture. But mm-hmm. every other apartment I've had in my life has always been, except for the bed, I always spend money on a new mattress. Mm-hmm. Everything else mm-hmm. is used, used, and I love it. My one prize and pride and joy, which I left it in New York for my 16th birthday, our family always buys these big lime cedar chests. Oh, but I don't know if, you know, you guys even know what that is, but it's supposed to be like where you put your dowry for when you get married. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And it's going back like generations and generations. My mom still has her cedar chest. My sister still has her cedar chest. And I'm like, do not, when I turn 16, I'm like, do not under any circumstances buy me a beautiful (laughs) wood (laughs) cedar chest for my dowry. I said, do not do it. But what I do want (laughs) I wanted an old steamer trunk that, you know, they used to put on the boats. So that's what my mom found me for my 16th birthday. And I had it all of my apartments. And then somehow I moved it to New York. I don't remember in what capacity or how it got to New York, but it was in a couple apartments in New York. And then when I left New York, which would have been four years ago, it was so... Like my mom wanted me to ship it home because I did ship a couple things back here, mm-hmm. but it was you know so dry rot and the lid was falling off and it just wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't salvageable. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, but I had that thing for. I mean, I left New York at forty six. I had that thing for for what yeah. 30, 30 years. That's awesome. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, um, so I, I get the whole mm. thing. Yeah, well, yeah, and I love it too. I can't really sort of think back, but I've always sort of dabbled in a bit of, you know, a bit of a mix, a bit of a hodgepodge. It's like, okay, so, I, you know, when I was you know, working in corporate, maybe I'd go and buy like a decent suit, but then I'd, you know, I'd thrift like the blouses and things to, to go right. underneath it. Um, so, yeah, like a bit of a blend of stuff. Um and then, of course, in Cambodia, like I mean, that was the economy, especially for um, foreigners living there. <laughs> the sizes weren't always accommodating. Um, right. So it would be like this continual like swapping of clothing and books and homewares. And um, for about a year, along with some of the other eco groups, we, we ran a community market in Siem Reap, and that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah lazy lazy Sundays at a market with you know often the the place where we went would have some music and you know everyone would be doing eco cool stuff and yeah that was lovely um but it's interesting that you mentioned bed because I have just ordered a new bed this week look at you I know I know I've told you it's been a robust week (laughs) 
Um, so I, yeah, I looked into all of the sustainable brands that are in Australia and made my choice. And now I'm just waiting for it to arrive. Now, is this one of the new beds that come in the box? And so when you open it, it like expands? Possibly. <laughs> I, uh, some of the details have become a little bit blurry because I do go down these huge research rabbit holes when I'm looking to buy, well, not anything, but a lot of things. So I've also been doing this uh, home grocery, eco home grocery delivery experiment. And last year I did the um, sustainable active wear research. So I do go into these sort of, yeah, deep holes of research and um, I think it might come in a box. Yeah. Okay. I had a bed, bed like that once and it was the most comfortable bed I ever had in my life. Mm, it looks incredible. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> it, waiting. It should come sometime in the next week. Yeah. I had it for quite some time. Um, probably my last like seven or eight years in New York and it was just mm -hmm. so amazing. And it came in this box and they carried it up eight, five flights of stairs and we cut it open and it was a bed. Yeah. Voila. <laughs> voila basically it was like look at that nice so yeah so that's that my week in a nutshell how was your week so my week was oddly empty because which I feel like I said the same thing last week you know yeah, I don't have any okay. I, I don't have any schoolwork this week I finished my contract for the local city so that I even emailed the city planner this week and said do you have any work this week or next week i'm still in town and he's like come pick your check up drop oh, your laptop oh. off didn't even invite me in for like lunch or something oh. which i thought was weird oh, oh dear so yeah, i'm okay. you know it's only next thursday life starts to get a little hectic i have a bunch of stuff yeah. to do and then i leave the following week for peru yeah. so i i'm yeah. i'm not mad that I had a slow week because I managed to fill it with a couple coffee dates with friends. I went grocery shopping for my mom. I had a bunch of doctor's appointments. My sister and I, this was the highlight. My sister and I went to see the Beach Boys play. Oh, yeah, that was on Wednesday, right? That was on Tuesday night at the local oh, theater. Obviously and, converted that to Australian time. <laughs> yeah, it was Wednesday morning, Australian time. Yeah. But we... um. Went to dinner at a little place within walking distance of the theater, which is in walking distance of my house. So it was really great. It's such a small theater, but we had great seats. And, you know, my sister's so cute. She keeps saying things like, I love having you so close. I love having you so close, mm. which makes me feel bad since I want to leave so badly. But, <laughs> yep. but, it is but sweet. you know, enjoy it. Enjoy the moment, right? And right. Enjoy the calm before things get busy again. Yeah. So we had a really nice time yesterday. It was just a bunch of stuff. I had coffee with a friend. I had lunch with another friend. I had dinner with my mom. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I took walks in between everything. <laughs> like that yeah, was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And then oddly today, which I feel like I need to say last night, I took my chemo pills mm -hmm. and they normally knock me out. But I woke up at 11 o'clock today, 11 o'clock. I had a 12 o'clock call, which I did. Then I had a two o'clock call. So between the 12 and the two o'clock call, I laid down oh, wow. and woke up, did the two o'clock call and went back to bed. And woke oh, wow. up like, bye. Okie dokie. 
Right. And then I, I went and took a long walk. I went for coffee and took another walk. Yeah. And, and yeah. now I'm trying to make myself tired, so I, I will go to sleep today. Right, so yeah. I don't Maybe know. all the socializing yesterday took it out of you. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, I literally, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not beating myself up because it's, I didn't have anywhere to be this morning, so it wasn't a big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. But it was just a very bizarre day. I, you know, I do wonder, and like, you know, just from from my experience, um, especially being in this like luxurious lockdown life, um, I find socializing as much as it's like important, it's critical, right? But it does take more energy from me now, even though I'm doing less of it than I did before. So we have this team meeting on Wednesday mornings and they have been going a really long time. So this week was two and a half hours on the Zoom. And it, it, like, it zaps me fully. So, yeah, I think, you know, you you had a lot on and then you had your chemo pill and you've got a lot coming up. Your body's probably just going, yeah, just rest while you can. (laughs) Yeah, and and I'm good with that. Yeah. Next next week I have a big wedding that'll take three days of my life, which I'm thrilled about participating in i don't mean it like that but i know it's gonna be a heck of a few days yeah. and then two days later i leave and then my mm. first week in peru i start that new master's program um, yeah. which i have to manage while i'm traveling so it's a lot coming down the mm-hmm. pike very quickly mm-hmm. all yeah. amazingly wonderful things yeah so i'm just going to take the sleep and deal with it yeah good plan yeah mm. i thought so so I wanted to, we're going to move to back to the sustainable development goals. If that's okay with you. Yeah. So last week we talked about your favorite, I love that we have favorite goals, uh, responsible consumption and production. So mm. I found a quiz. <laughs> Another one? I, I did. This is a really good quiz. This has questions for every goal. That I might actually know the answers to rather than taking wild stabs. <laughs> or or maybe you take a wild stab. I don't know. I'm going to yeah. ask you some interesting ones, but these some of these things I have a feeling you know, and some, if you don't know, they're new information for both of us. Okay. All right. I won't ask you all of them because it's a pretty lengthy quiz, but let's go through a couple and see what we think. How about and, that? All right. Yeah, cool. I mean. <laughs> okay. What per, so these are multiple choice, so I'm going to give you the three multiple choice as well. Okay, so mm-hmm. what proportion of the world's food is wasted or thrown away? Mm-hmm. One quarter of all food produced, one third, or one half? I know very clearly Australia, but in the world, um. I'm go- I'm gonna go with a third. And you would be correct. Thank you. According well, any to- of those things are terrible. Any of them are horrible. Any yeah. of them are horrible. But this yeah. states that one third of the food produced for human consumption ends up lost or wasted, and that equals about one point three billion tons a year. God, that's horrible. That is horrible. And I I I'm a big fan of leftovers. I don't know how your thoughts yeah. are. Leftovers. I yeah. don't, don't mind leftovers. Mm-hmm. You know, if I cook a lot and I eat it three days in a row, fine. 
but for some reason my mom hates leftovers so i'll get these like random messages <laughs> i made this for dinner and i'm like i'm not driving your house for dinner mom <laughs> but there are times like if i i took dinner down last night she wanted uh asian food mm -hmm. and i know the portions are big and she's like i don't know yeah. if i'm gonna eat all of this i'm like eat it tomorrow mom don't throw it away eat it tomorrow but mm -hmm. i have to like prompt her yeah yeah, you, know, you can heat that up. You'll be okay. Yeah. Just, oh my they, gosh! Like leftovers of something that has been cooked by a proper chef is amazing. Yeah, she just isn't a big fan of leftovers. Oh, that's so here's I another think, one. Oh, oh go before ahead. we do, I'd love to. I'd love to just dig into this a little bit more. Um, I quite enjoy mix and matching. This is something I picked up from my uh, my low tox life uh, friend Alex is so i ordered i ordered a veggie box this week and it came with a meal kit to make four only feeds four unfortunately and i'm one so it came with a quarter of a cabbage which is huge so i prepped the cabbage and i've made like a coleslaw and then there's like other ones that i throw it into stir fry so i love prepping food that can be used for multiple kind of different things okay um, and another good leftovers thing is like I'll just make a curry and be like, okay, what needs to be used up? And I'll like throw everything into a curry just to use up all those little bits and pieces. Um, but I do want to mention that it's not just in our households that that food is being wasted. It is like every step of the supply chain. Right. Um, particularly in Australia, I, I can't speak for other countries, but the large chain supermarkets will reject a lot of food that's not perceived as beautiful enough. Um, so this is a, where, and I think this started in France, um, the ugly vegetable aisle was invented to, to reduce some of that waste from farms. And, you know, it's perfectly, perfectly edible. It's just not like a perfectly round apple or, you know, perfectly the right mm. color red or whatever. We have... Um, a brand here called misfit markets mm, that mm. it's a mail order and I, I did it a couple times but i just wasn't pleased with the quality at all but it's supposed yeah. to take the vegetables that aren't pretty enough and and they mm. mail them to you mm -hmm. and and then of course like the next big step on that chain is supermarkets themselves um and they throw out huge amounts of food and often have this you know fear of maybe being sued or whatever if something goes wrong so a lot of that food goes to landfill however that is starting to shift as well with um organizations i'm sure that you've got plenty in the states but here in australia we have one called oz harvest and they will what they what they call rescue um right. food from different places so whether that's from large-scale markets i volunteered for a number of years at the adelaide central market on the saturday because the market would close at the end of trade on a saturday and not open again till the following wednesday so if they perceived that any of their produce was going to go bad in that time then they'd give it to us and we'd redistribute that to people who need it um and they now also have uh, partnerships with supermarkets and also like individual restaurants and what have you so that's a great program to help minimize that issue i think we as a country are very litigious so while mm. i know they you are the most litigious correct 70 to 75 percent of all lawyers 
live in your land. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I'm a firm, you know, like in New York, when I lived in New York, there was a store called Jack's and it was a, it was a discount dollar store kind of place. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was right in like the middle of Manhattan. And I, I loved walking down there because sometimes you'd find a gold mine. So there yeah. were these protein bars that I love called Lars bars and they were like $3 a piece. Mm-hmm. And when you went there, you could get a box of six for like two ninety nine. But the thing was, oh, wow. they were all natural. There were no preservatives. And so mm-hmm. the expiration date might be like six days away. Right. So you had to consume them because they there were no preservatives. They would go mm-hmm. bad very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I would buy them and I had them lined up in my cupboard because, you know, I could get, again, a whole box for the price of one. So anytime I saw the Lars bars, I'd go through all the expiration dates and get them in order. And and, <laughs> yeah. and it, it well, was quite compulsive. But to me, it was like, they're good. They're going to get thrown away. And, right. and it's a good product that I like eating anyway. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go down one more rabbit hole before we move on. <laughs> and that's expiration dates. I think this is something that is... It's again, it's like this, oh, well, if that says that, oh, I need to throw it away. And for sure, from a sales, like, um, you know, from a seller point of view, sure. But from a once it's in your house point of view, I much prefer the old sniff test or, right. or whatever it is, you know, like, have a look at it. Is it, is it has it gone green with mold? Yeah, don't eat it. But, you know, is it still perfectly okay? It's just that the sticker says, this is going to go bad today, right now at 12 p.m. Right, right. If it says today it's going bad at noon, I have a feeling you'll be fine eating it for dinner or breakfast. Right. Oh, well, there's also wiggle room, right? These companies build in buffer as a safeguard. So that's not even probably the actual, you know, date that it starts to degrade. It's probably weeks down the track because they, you know, they need to protect themselves. Um yeah so there's wiggle room just use use a bit of using a bit of common sense goes a long way common sense is always important i agree yeah beautiful all right back to the quiz okay so here's another one that i have a feeling you'll know okay which country was the first to ban plastic bags oh I, I have a multiple choice or unless you oh, just please, know. Please not go with the multiple choice because okay. I, I'm, I'm between two. So Okay. Denmark, Bangladesh, or Ireland? Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Good yeah. answer. Thank you. And see if I can read what year it says this is. In 2002, mm-hmm. Bangladesh passed the first full ban of plastic bags amazing the same year ireland imposed a 15 percent tax on checkout bags resulting in 90 percent decline oh of use so that is that's interesting yeah i go to aldi's a lot Mm -hmm. and take my own bags but you know those are always you always have to buy a bag at aldi's if you don't bring one Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm that's like this is the, fairly common practice in a lot of places now. Not um, here. No. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Just the Audis. Huh. Just the Audis. Most places, you know, I'll take my own bags. Most places, mm-hmm. and 
I'll even take, like, if I'm not buying a lot, just a big tote bag and throw it over my shoulder mm-hmm. and throw everything in the tote bag. Mm-hmm. And I still get looks like they think I'm trying to shop. Wow. Well, well, I would look at you with admiration. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Here's a good one. How much waste ends up in the sea every minute around the world? Oh. Mm. The equivalent of 60 shopping trolleys, 180 shopping trolleys, or 1,600 shopping trolleys. Oh, this is not a, a unit of measure I'm familiar with. How you many know shopping is- trolleys fit in a garbage truck? Because <laughs> oh. it's the equivalent of a garbage truck's worth of rubbish every minute, I believe. How many garbage trucks? I think one. I don't know how many garbage how trucks. Many so, okay, let's let's try with the trolleys again. How many trolleys have I got to choose from? So it is sixty trolleys, mm-hmm. one hundred and eighty trolleys, or sixteen hundred trolleys. I'm going to go with the middle one. Yeah, it's a hundred. It's sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred trolleys. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Yes. Awful. Every year, 20 billion tons of waste are discharged into the ocean. Yeah. So they yeah. are saying 1,600 trolleys. Yeah. I can, I can tell we had a big storm in the middle of the, the week and or the beginning of the week, and I went for a walk down to the beach. And I sat by the beach. I wanted to have a little bit of a moment and been out on the stormy day, so I thought I'd enjoy some outside time. And I can't help myself often. And so I started cleaning up all the plastic off the beach. So much have washed up. And it was flower pots and packaging. And, yeah, it was just, you know, not not litter from people accidentally dropping something or carelessly dropping right. something. Like it was, yeah, it was worse than that. I don't. And, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist in this country because I'm sure it does exist in this country. But it's not very common that you see just piles of rubbish anymore. Like when I was younger, I can completely remember it being a very common thing. Mm. But I go for walks on a lot of like back paths and and things like that. And you might occasionally see something, but it's Mm. not a common occurrence right now. Interesting. Well, um, I think I also notice a difference from... Adelaide, where I grew up, to Sydney, where I now live. Um, you know, even when I go back and visit Adelaide, I find the beaches are nowhere near as messy as they are here in Sydney. And I don't know if that's geography or um, community or waste management practices. I'm not sure, but you know, Adelaide being where it is, it's on the like, fairly southern part of Australia and there's not much between Adelaide and Antarctica. So it could just be proximity. Um, that means it's a bit more pristine. But Or, you know, the truth of the matter is, because New York was dirtier, mm-hmm. there's just more Population people numbers. in yeah. that little space. That's, yeah. you know, New York is, I don't know how many square miles, and there's 8 million people where... Mm-hmm. And in any other place, that's not as prominent. 
yeah. yeah, you have less people that exist in that space, therefore there is less trash. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. Hmm. I thought so, which kind of, you know, I'm going to switch gears again, if that's okay. We'll come back to our okay. quiz later. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, you know, my, I don't want to say my favorite sustainable development goal, right. because I have a couple that I work in, but the one that I've been looking at a lot right. lately. <laughs> what was that? We did make sort of make you choose one. <laughs> right. But the one that I've been working in a lot lately is number 11, which is sustainable cities and communities. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start my comments here with this one, with a quiz that kind of talks just what we were talking about. In 1990, 10 cities in the world had more than 10 million inhabitants in 1990. Mm-hmm. By 2018, how many cities in the world had more than 18 or more than 10 million? 10, 21, or 47? 47. 47. 47 cities. They're not even called urban environments anymore. They've called them something else, which I'm going to forget the word. The first place, now this is in 2018, so the numbers could have changed, but Mm -hmm. Tokyo has 40 million inhabitants. Wow. 40 million people. So if we just think of how, you've been to Tokyo, correct? Yeah. It's a beautiful city. Yeah. But to think that there's 40 million people there, of course there's going to be. It feels so much calmer than that. It does feel calmer than that. Yeah, absolutely. Even in like the non-com areas, it does it does have a certain peacefulness about it. I completely yeah. I completely agree, but it's still absolutely insane mm-hmm. that you know, and, and I don't remember Tokyo being I only spent a week there. I don't remember it being that dirty though. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, not at all. I mean, they're fastidious about keeping things clean. But on the uh, flip side, I've been to Delhi, mm. and that's horrible, filthy, yeah, filthy mega city. Yeah. So just the idea of these cities, and this is what intrigues me to them, mm. is the idea that the cities are going to continue to grow. So today, about 55% of the world's population exists in cities, mm-hmm. but they're estimating by... 2050, 68% of the world's population are going to be in cities. Wow. And I'm drawn to the urban environment, even though I don't live in one now. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when I travel, I don't go to the urban environments, but there's something about them that draw me in. So, you know, I lived in New York for 12 years. I used to go to Bangkok just because I needed a city in my life. <laughs> you know, I loved the idea of Hong Kong and Tokyo. There's just something about the city that pulls me in and that is why sometimes I concentrate on this idea of making cities and human settlements inclusive safe resilient and sustainable is what SDG number 11 says yeah yeah so I have this I don't know if I've ever shared the story with you but I think it's my ultimate story about how horrible urban environments can be in this world Mm. so when I was getting ready to go on my trip around the world which would have been i left in august of 2016 
Mm -hmm. I Beijing was one of my stops on my trip and people were telling me that I should take masks because Mm -hmm. Beijing the air quality was so bad what's bizarre about it is five years later I would never have even thought not to take a mask but in 2016 that did not enter the the mindset of Kelly Mm McVeigh everybody's like the the popular the pollution is so bad there you need a mask you need a mask you need a mask so I get to Beijing like early September of 2016 and it is the most beautiful environment and i spend a few days there and it is just lovely and the air is clean and there's people in masks but i'm i'm used to that around asian communities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not inundated with people in masks and Mm -hmm. then on my third or fourth day in beijing i go on this journey to go to the great wall of china And when I say journey, it was me wanting to go on an unrestored section. So a guide picked me up and we drove out to the middle of nowhere and we hiked up this mountainside and got to the unrestored part of the Great Wall and we had to climb a ladder to get onto the top and there are no people and it was the most peaceful thing. And we're walking along the Great Wall of China and my guide, who I don't remember his name, points over there and says to me, I haven't seen that mountain in years. And he, he did this hike four or five times a week. Wow. So it was so crystal clear. Well, it turns out the G20 summit was in town. So all the world, all the world leaders were in China and they shut down every factory in the country. I remember that. I didn't realize that's when you were visiting. Yeah, wow. So they, they shut down every factory in the country. By the last day I was in Beijing before I, my next stop was Hong Kong. So before I left for Hong Kong, you could tell there was a little haze coming back because the world yeah. leaders had already left. <laughs> oh, well, that was nice of them to be there when you were there. <laughs> it was nice of them to be there when I was there. So it, it had, you know, the most beautiful environment for me. But all those millions and millions of people that live there don't have that environment. You know, I never, New York never really had, at least in my world, when I was there, a lot of pollution. But when I lived in California, there were always smog alert days Mm -hmm. that we didn't put masks on. We probably should have. But there were always (laughs) days where they would say it's high smog alert, high smog alert. Uh, I lived far enough outside of Los Angeles that it didn't before really impede me. Before you go any further, um, I was just going to say you've gone a little bit faint, so I don't oh, know if you've covered your mic. Better? Uh, let's see how we go. Yeah, just so I'd let you know. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where where my love of cities have come from and why I concentrate on this one. Yeah. It's the idea that I... I want to find a city where I love, you know, I'm still in that, I don't want to say homelessness, but I kind of, I'm in a a non-negative homelessness environment right now where I'm, I'm, I have a house, but not a home. Mm -hmm. So as I look for other cities, I look for things like the improvement of living conditions and the high cost of living and how can people, how can cities support all these people? How, are their jobs do they have the environment to pay their bills or are they trapped in this endless cycle of poverty because they're living in a city 
Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what I look at when I think of the facts about urban environments and, and why we need to do better for them. Yeah. So wow. a little, hmm. you know, a little off kilter from standard sustainability, but I think it all kind of meshes in together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, both ways, you know, right. Just like one of the, one of the facts that I found and vice versa. It's that in, in, when the cities are increasing in size, so are, so are the slums. Mm-hmm. So over 1 billion people live in slums in the world right now. Wow. So, and they're, they're all over the world, obviously, but the three worst areas, 370 million in Eastern and Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. 238 million in, in Africa, and 226 million in South and Central Asia. Mm. And I'm sure if we overlaid the maps on there, that those areas also have some of the largest megacities. Right. You know, Mumbai, Delhi, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So it's, yeah. even though a lot of countries are putting policies in place about how to develop their urban environments, most of them really aren't practicing those policies. Mm-hmm. So they're just sort of out there floundering and nobody's yeah. monitoring how these cities are developing. Right, right. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So that Uh, is where my mind tends to focus these days. Yeah, cool. I mean, I love that. You really, I mean, yeah, you really brought me into the picture and it makes so much sense. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. You know, I spent the summer working for my local city in the in the planning department mm-hmm. and this is small town america so the planning for them was a lot of good things but like what are we going to do with all of our parks so mm-hmm. we are doing the city is doing a new parks and rec program okay and that's important because when i was a kid parks and rec mean meant parks for kids and little league baseball games Right. Okay. And now parks and rec is more open spaces for all of the communities. Can we have outside seating areas? Can we have places where people can just sit and walk? Can we have places where people can eat their lunch outside? Because we need that open space because that brings, you know, a greener infrastructure. It contributes to the ecosystem. It provides children a place to grow. It promotes health and arts and culture. So all Mm -hmm. of that is what I really spent a lot of my summer working on yeah that's fantastic that's a like a great thing to be involved in to see it actually happening in you know in your while you're still there or when you come back for visits down the track you'll start to see that come into fruition which will be amazing and then my other big thing that pulls me into this is in january i start a three-month program at Aramis, which I always say it wrong, Aramis University in Rotterdam, specifically studying innovative and entrepreneurial cities and global economies and how we can make the cities more sustainable. Yeah. So that will be the focus of my life for the next six or seven months at least. So wonderful. Um, I actually met a guy via a um, <laughs> Zoom networking chat who is about creating sustainable spaces. So less of that city urban level, but more on a like 
you know, almost office by office sense. But again, I think it feeds into each other. You start with a small space and, and, and what he was saying is it's not just the physical space, it's the, the mindset that goes with it. It's the behavior that goes with it. It's all, all connected. It was really interesting. So, and I, I agree with that. I, earlier this year, probably back in February, I did a certificate program with an organization in Portland, Oregon called Village Repair. Mm. And the premise of it was just making, not even beautifying the environment. That sounds like such a um, surface level word, but basically putting the environments in a better place that people want to go and and want, want to spend time there and want to, you know, the, the nicer it is, the nicer it will stay. Sort of like that. I know you don't own a car, so it's a bad analogy, my car analogy. But the broken window theory. There, yeah. There's no broken windows. Cars and how they work. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking like when you buy a brand new car, you're always so, so careful with it. But as soon as you get one ding, then you're like, oh, there's already a ding on the car. What's the big deal? Mm. But so like the broken window theory says if there's a broken window, then having a second broken window isn't a big deal but yeah. if you pay attention to that broken window and fix it then the more you fix the broken windows the less likely you are to get more broken windows oh wow that's such a great analogy we use one in our trainings um around litter that if you see often it's like okay if you see one piece of litter then it's like, oh, well, someone's already littered, so I'll just What's litter. What's the big deal, right? Yeah. And then it becomes a huge pile of rubbish. And it's like, um, yeah, okay. So it's like if there was the mechanism in place, okay, so I don't know, fines for littering to avoid it in the first place or clean-up programs to, you know, even though it's everybody's sort of responsibility, but it's like when I'm picking up litter, it makes me feel better that I've done that, that I've made a contribution. Otherwise I just get grumpy about the fact that someone littered. Whereas if I've done something about it, that's gone. And then no one else sees that litter and it doesn't, you know, inspire more of that behavior. Or something as simple as making sure people can visually see a rubbish bin. Yeah. They did a study on this in Adelaide like ages ago about how far people were willing to walk to travel to a a rubbish bin I can't remember what it was but it wasn't very far right not carry rubbish very far um before they're like this this sucks and take the easy option take the easy and I I know that when I take my daily walks around my town for some reason on Sundays this the town is a disaster Mm -hmm. and and there are no rubbish bins up and down yeah. the main street I could walk up and down the main street and you'll see like dog waste and stuff like that on the street because there's mm. no I don't agree with it mm. but not nowhere in town can you find a garbage bin yeah well it's maybe if you put one on every corner people start to pay attention to that yeah I, I'd hope so I do see evidence to the contrary as well though unfortunately I will see litter right next to garbage bins or you know two meters away and think what was what was hard about that I'm not sure right yeah but there's yeah there's definitely evidence for it as well and um 
I got together a huge team of volunteers one time to work at a music festival. Well, volunteer work, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we contributed to a music festival um, by helping with the cleanup effort. And when people saw our volunteers walking around with garbage cans, they would gravitate towards them and put their rubbish in there rather than dropping it on the ground. So, you know, it's definitely better than not having the bins. That's for sure. Right. Interesting. All work in progress. It is. It is. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's cut my life's work out for me, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I won't get bored anytime soon. <laughs> well, why don't we wrap this up for today? Yeah, great. This is and fun. next week we'll pick it up. Maybe I'll have another little quiz for you and we'll go from there. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, we've got two two more episodes left of this season, so we'll uh, make them good ones, hey? All right, then I will talk to you later. Okay, sounds great. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.